You're listening to a 58 Ember production. This week we are discovering the deadly side to mistletoe, what type of cookie we would be if our personalities were Christmas cookies, and discovering how whole milk is making its way back to U.S. schools. Welcome to Discover Ag, where food meets pop culture. I'm Natalie, a cattle rancher from Nebraska. And I'm Tara, a dairy farmer from New Mexico. And every week we bring you the top stories in the ag and food space that you need to know. And this is our last episode before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. I have to ask you, I think I know the answer because I haven't got one from you, but to Christmas card or not to Christmas card? That seems to be the question this year. What did you decide to do? That is a good question. I decided this year not to do it and it wasn't actually intentional. I had been thinking about not doing it and then I just got caught up in the madness and the rush. And when I realized it a few days ago, I thought, why bother now? I feel like it's like a growing trend, which I'll admit, like I am a Christmas card stan. I love them. I hang them on my wall. They stay up all year. I don't, I don't, right now I don't see myself ever not doing it, but I feel like this year more than ever, I saw people doing digital ones, just doing ones on Facebook and not doing like the mail out Christmas card. I loved your Christmas card. It was so cute. It is on my fridge and I don't hang everyone up. So that's an honor for you. Unlike you that keeps it up all year long. I pick and choose and I keep selective. But I will say at the beginning, the reason why I decided not to do it is because of social media. I was like, everyone sees our family. Everyone knows what's going on. You know, same old story, right? And then as I started getting Christmas cards, I was like, I don't even follow this person online. Like, it was nice to see their family. And it made me go back through my list of who I would send it to. And I there are so many on there that don't see what I post on social media that that's when I swung the pendulum back to I'm going to do it. I was just out of time. So I think I've gone back to being a stand for them. And I think if you, I don't know if I've been noticing what you've been noticing, but I do think if this was an off year, I think we'll see people go back. Like, I think they'll, they'll keep, I think they'll stay even in the digital world we're in. Yeah. I just, I looked at my list and it was like a lot of older people, like even grandparents, like not my grandparents, but like friends, grandparents that like, you know, were invited to my wedding or whatever. And I just don't know that they are on social media. Um, I'll tell you what a psychopath I am. I am one of those people that also saves the Christmas cards in albums for years and years. Like I have all the albums labeled by year and then I have everyone like grouped by families. Like I am a total Christmas card psychopath. (laughs) That is next level. Like I don't think I've ever heard that before. Okay. But I have a really cute story that someone told me. We haven't done this yet, but I keep wanting to, and maybe this will be the year that we do it, is after Christmas, taking the Christmas cards and at dinner time, having your kids pick a family that you like pray over. And I know a family that does it and I love it and I want to start doing it. I just haven't like pulled the trigger and done it, but I do want to do it. It's so funny you say that because when I was asking my community on social media if I should do a card or not, someone messaged in that exact thing. They said, well, maybe this will say your opinion or not, but I love getting them and we actually pray for a family that week that sent us you know, a card in the mail that week. And I thought that is such a good idea. One thing I do that I really love, I do keep our Christmas card <laughs> and I sometimes I'll write a note to myself about like kind of what happened in the holiday, like almost a little journal of like what our Christmas was like or whatever. And I tuck that in with the Christmas decorations. And it's always fun when I pull it out the next year to decorate. I'm like, oh, last year's card because I've kind of already forgotten what it is. And then I just kind of like read about 
you know, our holidays. And I think it'll be nice for the boys one day. Like I don't do it every year and I'm going to try and be better about it, but I don't know. It's just kind of nice. Also, thanks for the sweet notes about my card. I was really nervous. I went very like off theme and did hot pink and did like Feliz Navidad, Mexico. And I've been wanting to do that for two years in a row. And I did it. You were like, just do it, Tara. Like you've been wanting to do it. So I'm glad you thought it turned out well. (laughs) It was inspired by uh, your encouragement. Pull off the fleece Navidad Band-Aid and just like do it. <laughs> do it. Just do the hot pink. Do it up. <laughs> All right. On a very different color, we're going into red. Can do comes in red. Bailing, cutting, hang, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning the barn, mixing the feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, ditching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading, Let's make it simple. The Case IH tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall, learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. So thank you to our sponsor, Case IH. I will say um, you made a joke that, that we should turn that into a wrap and we inspired Daniel. And so last night he stayed up for more hours than I care to admit um, on chat GPT writing a rhyme for Case IH for his newest video. And I will say I read it and I think I'm going to have Guinevere actually read it for a voiceover on Instagram Reels. And it is so, so cute. So stay tuned for our Case IH family rap. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. I didn't know Daniel had lyrical writing skills. I guess use chat GPT. I didn't know Dan knew how to use chat GPT. It was also a shock to me. (laughs) (laughs) All the things our husbands can do that we don't know they can do. But they can't find the ketchup in the refrigerator. I think that every single time we were out driving, checking cattle yesterday, and I don't even know how many yards away, how many miles away, there was a coyote. And of course, Luke stops, points it out. I can't see it. I have no idea where it is. And he's just flabbergasted that I can't see it. You know, it's right there running up the hill. And it's it's so far away. And I'm like, how do you lose your wallet every single day? (laughs) You can't find that. But you can spot the coyote that's running through the field like four miles away. I just... It's a special set of skill they have. No, I agree. Daniel, he will like be in a pen. There will be a pen of 200 cows and Daniel will be like, that one's sick. And I'm like, what? Where? How? How do you know? But he literally yesterday was like, we're out of gallon Ziploc bags. And I was like, are you sure? And I was like, that can't be. Go in the pantry. There is a Costco size container of gallon Ziploc bags. And I'm like, but you can spot the sick cow among 200 cows. Oh my God. We got to love them. All right, before we dive into this week's articles, you guys, we want to remind you to leave us a love note, a little Christmas spirit for our uh, podcast. You can leave a review in your listening app. You can share us to your social channels, um, encourage a friend, just help spread the discover word. It means a lot to us and it helps us grow. Also a reminder, if you do take a moment to leave us a review, we have got discover stickers that we will send you. So uh, leave the review, screenshot it on socials, tag us so that we can get in contact with you, get your address, and get that mailed off. All right, diving into the first article to discover this week, title, Mistletoe is the Christmas Plant Friend or Foe? Question mark. Mistletoe may be a welcome holiday site when hung over a doorway if a loved one is near, but did you know it is actually a semi-parasitic plant, making it an unwelcomed intruder when found in your favorite trees or ornamentals? I have to ask you, did you know this about mistletoe before you read this article? I did, but only because you told me last year, I think. Otherwise, I had no idea. I had never given two thoughts to how mistletoe is grown, harvested, produced. No, not at all. 
Yeah, so I feel like the reason I know is it was actually where I got married, our wedding venue. It was like a pretty big, I guess, kind of problem. Um, A lot of their trees had mistletoe. And so that is why I was like aware of it. Although I believed a few myths about mistletoe that in this article we dispelled, like I thought they were absolutely killing the trees and you had to remove them. And as we will get into in this article, that's not the the total truth or the the full story. Does it grow in New Mexico? I think yes, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it is, but I, I don't know that it's like rampant here or I don't know. I guess it probably just depends on the tree and the, the climate. When I searched Nebraska, it says that neither of the species that are native to the United States grow in Nebraska. When I searched Montana, it said that it, it was, but I have never, I never, never seen it in Montana. So I've personally never seen mistletoe. Yeah. So I got married in Southern Arizona. I wonder if it's like a warmer climate thing. They talked about it a lot in Texas. Um, it also is interesting. It stays green in the winter, which I wonder if that is where the tradition started of like bringing it indoors because it could be like greenery that was green year round. Oh, I have the tradition. We can get into that later too. Oh, okay. Where do we want to start then? Um, I think maybe with diving into the actual like mechanism of action, like kind of what happens, how mistletoe acts. So scientists, as I said, classify it as a hemate parasitic plant because it does, as you mentioned, have the green leaves necessary for photosynthesis. But the plant has basically evolved enough to take advantage of the tree's resources that it clings to, which I think is kind of interesting. So they're kind of they're a little lazy mistletoe. Like they're kind of like we'll photosynthesize when we feel like it. And when we don't, we're going to latch onto this tree and we're basically going to like tap into the root system and get our food and water from the tree. Yeah. It's meaning in Greek, like the Greek name means thief of tree. It literally is just like puts its roots down into the tree. The host tree takes its water, takes its minerals, and it inhabits the tree as long as the tree is surviving. So there's mistletoe that is around a hundred years old. Yeah, I wrote down that's a nimble little bitch. Like <laughs> it can survive on cacti, it can survive on pines, and it, it's not choosy about the tree, although I think there are specific trees that it thrives on better. Um, it's just like you're a tree, you'll work. Like I'm I um I'm gonna, you know, host off you. Yeah, so talking about it killing the tree, it's unlikely to kill a healthy tree, but it does cause the tree stress because obviously it has a parasite on it. So it is more susceptible to like disease and insects. But typically, it will cause like a single limb to die, not the entire tree. One thing I found extremely interesting is that they do spread like the traditional way with birds dropping, you know, the seeds and and moving. But certain species of mistletoe can also shoot out their own seeds. They wrote at speeds around 60 miles per hour once the berry bursts. It's like an overfilled water balloon. Could you imagine seeing that? No, I read that too. I think I read it twice because I was like, it shoots seeds out. Like, what if you were walking by and it just like pelted you? Can you imagine being like, like, how did you lose your eye? Well, I got pelted by a mistletoe seed. Like, I would be like, you'd have to come up with a better story. Or maybe that is good enough. I don't know. It seems like implausible. But like, I just can't imagine watching that happen. I would pay to watch that happen now that you have that image planted in my I feel like that would happen to me. Do you remember that you posted this reel recently where you're talking to me in the almond orchard and an almond branch just like flies out of nowhere and like whacks me in the head? I probably would get attacked by mistletoe. That's one of my favorite videos. I love to post it of you. 
Getting into the historical uses, the plant has been used across various cultures throughout history for a variety of things. They mentioned warding off demons. They'd put it in doorways to protect babies from fairies stealing them at night. So lots of um, folklore, I guess, kind of uh, uses. But also the Greeks used it for medical conditions. Um, They considered it aphrodisiac. So it was also used, I would say, in more like a scientific way historically, too. Yeah, it also plays like a really positive role in woodland and range ecosystems from like nectar and pollen for native bees to butterflies and moss that use it. You already talked about like wildlife as far as like birds and deer, like eating the berries on it. So it actually is really important plant. But I'm so curious. Why did we start bringing it in our house? Do tell, Natalie. So when I did a little research, there is no exact single story behind the festive tradition, but there's a lot of myths and beliefs. The first one goes back to Charles Dickens. I think he might have put it on the map a little bit when he wrote about it. They also mentioned this Norse tradition that goes way back, and that allowed a man to steal a kiss from any woman caught under the mistletoe. And so I think they say combining Charles Dickens and this Norse goddess to where we currently are with like tying it to Christmas and the kissing portion. Interesting. All right. Well, the last thing I have to say is how to remove it. The only way to remove it from the tree is to prune the branch. Um, and the sooner you can remove it, the better. But make sure you don't like prune the branch when the tree like usually you do that when the tree is dormant to put less stress on the tree. I'm so curious if you guys are listening and you have mistletoe in your area, take a video, take us. I want to see. I'm just curious where we we fall on the spectrum of being exposed to mistletoe in real life. Do you see it in your everyday? Is it nonchalant? You don't even think about it? Or are you just completely fascinated by this like I am? Because I just have had so little exposure to mistletoe and never truly thought about it. All right. Right in. Can't wait to hear. All right. Let's thank a couple of our sponsors, starting with Good Ranchers. How many of us are looking for last minute memorable gifts? Try a Good Ranchers gift card, your place for standout gifts this holiday season. While others will be re-gifting mugs and candles they got earlier this year, you can be bestowing juicy burgers, crispy bacon, tender chicken, and phenomenal steaks upon your secret Santa. Plus, Good Ranchers gift boxes are 15% off and as low as $99 until Christmas. Give a staking stuffer they'll cherish with a gift card to America's Best Meat or a gift that keeps on grilling with a monthly subscription. When you gift with Good Ranchers, you're making meals easy, supporting hundreds of American farms, and keeping generations of flavor alive. Most of all, you're giving a gift that is truly delicious that you can be proud to stand behind. Save an extra 15% on every order with our code DISCOVER and get free shipping plus 100% satisfaction guaranteed. No stress, no risk, just America's best meat delivered. Head to Good GoodRanchers.com to find all of your gifts this year. Again, use our code DISCOVER to save a bonus 15% off today during their last minute gifting sale. That's GoodRanchers.com American Meat Delivered. Our other sponsor that we want to thank today is Armra. You know that we have been using this product, loving this product. I am absolutely kicking myself for not bringing it to Vegas and taking it, hence my cold right now, because Armra is the product you need this winter. It is strengthening immunity, improving gut health, and skin and hair. I love colostrum. It is so good for your gut, so good for your health, your skin, your nails, all of those things I can attest to as I've been taking it for a few months now, and Natalie has too. 
Colostrum contains all the nutrients we need to thrive. Armora is a proprietary concentration of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health for a host of research-backed health benefits. It strengthens immunity and ignites metabolism and anti-inflammation, glorifies gut health, activates hair growth and skin and hair radiance, powerful fitness performance and recovery, and confers powerful anti-aging benefits. One question we did receive online about Armra is where it is sourced from. So this is not taking colostrum from any calves. This is the excess colostrum that is produced by dairy cows. So there's no need to worry when you take colostrum that you are taking any colostrum from the calves that need it. This is simply the excess. So you can go to tryarmra.com slash discover. That is in our show notes and use our code discover to get 15% off your first order. That is tryarmra.com slash discover or use our code discover to get 15% off. You don't even know how many people I thought about gifting Armra to for Christmas. <laughs> like I'll just go to the Armra website, order a bunch of it and all of my holiday shopping will be done. I feel that with Good Ranchers and Armra actually. I'm like, here is a gift card for steak to my sister. Here is Armra because she has been complaining about hair and nail growth. I'm like, sprinkle just gift cards for everyone of all of the things. All right. Diving into our second article this week to discover headline, what holiday cookie are you? Come the holiday season, there's one sweet treat on our mind and that's holiday cookies. There's a cookie for everyone out there, though if you're like us, you'll probably craving much more than just one type of holiday cookie. So this is actually a quiz and we will link it in our show notes for you guys to take if you want to. It's from Better Homes and Gardens and it was really quick. You just kind of answer some different questions. They're all holiday themed questions and at the end you get your report of what personality or what cookie you are based off of your personality. Yeah, this quiz took me straight back to Seventeen Magazine, sitting at my parents' house in high school. I wrote the exact same thing. I said, it reminds me of the good old days with teen magazines and quiz taking to see your results. There was nothing like the nostalgia of going through that for a few minutes. Oh, totally. And it was just like then that I took the quiz. I didn't like my results, so I kept taking the quiz until I got the results I wanted. (laughs) Same, but I gave up. I got too bad cookies and I was like screw it I guess I just like this is my life I feel like there was a couple answers that was like no matter what you answered to any of the other ones if you answered a certain way on like two of them it gave you the same cookie over and over and I was like I don't like that cookie like I'm not that cookie (laughs) so I have to know what cookie were you I'm curious if we're the same or different the first one I got was a filled cookie same oh my gosh me too (laughs) what is that I don't even know what kind of cookie that is it means we're a lot. Our personalities are a lot. But I will say there's nothing more I hate than a filled cookie or a filled donut or a filled chocolate. It's the last thing I want to pick out of any of the options is one that's filled. It's a terrible surprise. I don't want it. Okay. I disagree on the donut thing. I loved a good filled donut, but a filled cookie, it's not even cute. Like considering we're a lot, could it be cuter? Like, I don't know. So I took it again and I got sugar cookie, still like wah wah. Took it again, got no bake chocolate cookie. And then number four got spiced cookie. I don't know. I'm just like, none of those were really like hitting, hitting it for me. Spice cookie was the second one I got. And that's when I gave up. You're like, I'm done. That's it. I want to know what all the options were because I was so curious about that too. I wanted to 
if I had time, I wanted to go through and just answer randomly to see all the different answers, which is that is one thing I did going back to like old quizzes in the magazines. I like that you could see you could read through the four different answers at the end. Yes, that's fun. Yeah, the digital landscape is not so great. Also, I took it so many times and it obviously signed you up for their newsletter. So I am like an avid follower now of Better Homes and Garden. (laughs) Of everything. Everything. So I have been like low-key keeping something from you and I feel like now is a good time. It's like confession time. So we have someone that was thinking is thinking about being a sponsor on the podcast and they are like local kind of to our area. It's a, it's a national company, but like the rep was here. Anyway, this rep, the wives of all of this company make the most amazing Christmas cookies and all of their clients get a huge box of, I swear it's like eight different types of Christmas cookies and you get like four of every cookie. So whenever he, I was like giving him our media kit, he brought me a box of cookies. So I have just been like low key eating all the Discover cookies. And they were amazing. I thought you were going to say he brought me one to send to you and I ate it. (laughs) I mean, I could have probably sent you some, but that was not on my priority list. The next time we're together, you're like, tell him how good the cookies are, Natalie. Please (laughs) lie and say that you enjoyed the box. Thank you for the present. He will absolutely have to be like, I've heard about the cookies. Didn't get one. Heard they were good. Um, Okay. So you wanted to know what the cookies were. So I did look up what the most popular Christmas cookies are because I was curious. And I would imagine some of these are on the list, although none that we got. But the top one is iced sugar cookie. Okay. So that was. we We saw sugar cookie. Which is not a surprise. I feel like that that's the number one. No. Uh, snowball cookie, peanut butter cookie, snickerdoodle, and gingerbread. I would have put gingerbread a second for sure. I don't think I've ever had a snowball cookie. I was surprised peanut butter was number three. I feel like peanut butter is like a hit or miss for some people. So I was kind of surprised it was as high as it was. We're not going to trust anything the internet's telling us about cookies right now. The internet's saying the most popular Christmas pie is pumpkin. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. What? Lies. No. Lies, lies, lies. We need to call in the Discover community right now. If you make a pumpkin pie for Christmas, please let us know. Because I truly do not believe that. I'm making a pumpkin and an apple and a cheesecake. Never heard of it. I'm so confused. So you do just think pumpkin is just for Thanksgiving? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Well, the internet disagrees with you. I'm sorry. You're wrong. (laughs) Moving on. The rabbit hole I went down is why do we leave milk and cookies out for Santa on Christmas Eve? You know, where did this tradition come from? So apparently there are three theories. I'm going to briefly go through all three of them. And it's interesting because I think you will connect highly to two of them. So theory number one is the Dutch connection. There's a theory that traces the act of leaving milk and cookies back to the Netherlands, where the celebration of St. Nicholas Day takes place on December 6th. With this tradition, the children leave their shoes out the night of December 5th, and St. Nicholas will fill them with treats, including cookies and other sweets. And then they think somehow throughout, I don't know, over time, this tradition evolved where instead of Santa putting the treats in the shoes, people began leaving treats out for Santa. It's not my favorite. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if we would have got it twisted that way. Okay, well, I'm going to believe it because I'm Dutch and I love it. But yes, the children in the Netherlands leave out their wooden shoes. You didn't mention that they were the wooden shoes and then they fill them. So uh, we keep some of these traditions. So we still do stroop waffles, which obviously if you follow my Instagram page, I eat those all times of year. But essentially, they're a Christmas cookie. And then um, we also do Dutch letters. So 
my mom and Dan's mom does too. Um, in all of our stockings, it is a chocolate letter that's like our first initial. So there's all sorts of cute Dutch traditions. But you don't do the shoes tradition. I didn't start it. I wish I would have. As you were reading it, I was like kicking myself that I wish I had gotten the girls wooden shoes. And um, But I don't know. It's so weird. Wooden shoes were a really big part of my childhood. Like I had a pair. I could wear them. My dad wore clump. They're called clumpins sometimes. And I don't know why. I feel like Dan's family wasn't into it. So it wasn't a tradition we carried on with the girls, which now makes me kind of sad. Okay, well, moving on to another sad theory, <laughs> the Great Depression connection. The second theory suggests that leaving milk and cookies out for Santa became popular during the Great Depression. Families who were struggling financially could not afford to buy gifts for their children. So they encouraged them to leave treats out for Santa Claus as a way of expressing their gratitude and appreciation for the gifts he would bring. Now, originally, when I read this, I thought, again, also not the best. If people were struggling financially, why would they you know, recommend spending money they don't have on milk and cookies. But the more I looked at different articles, the more this one was the most frequently mentioned one. So this tradition, it's very possible that it came out of the Great Depression and economic hardships and just trying to instill like appreciation and gratitude in our children. (laughs) I think that one's cute. I mean, I don't know. At least it has like I don't know. They say, you know, the more grateful you are, the happier you are with what you have. So I don't know. I feel like that one's not terrible. That one works. Yeah. Okay. The last and third theory is the dairy connection. I love to hear it. Yep. Here we go. Uh, The article said, it seems Coca-Cola and Hallmark are not the only companies behind holiday marketing conspiracies. Some believe that the tradition of leaving milk and cookies out for Santa was actually a marketing ploy by the dairy industry. It is said in the early 20th century, the dairy industry was struggling and they wanted to increase their sales. So they came up with the idea of promoting the idea that Santa Claus drinks milk with his cookies, encouraging families to leave out the glass of milk. And I think a lot of people can hear that and think, you know, big, bad dairy preying on all of us. But if this is really true, if this is where it originated, I'm like, damn, dairy, you did it again. You created the world's best running campaign. Like applause to you. Kudos to you. Listen, Santa Claus drinks 86 million glasses of milk on Christmas Eve. Yep. Let me just say dairy marketing. (laughs) Actually, I think that's probably true. Dairy marketing (laughs) does so good. Like, I don't care what anyone says. I think we are winning in the animal protein sector. I'm always so jealous of dairy marketing. I do think it's probably the Great Depression. I just had to throw in this third theory because I do think it's interesting, but I don't think it was dairy bigwigs getting together. I do think it was the Depression probably. Yeah, probably. Um, But I'm going to take that win for us. I will end this before we go into our next article, which is all about milk. And I'm probably going to get on a soapbox. So I'm sorry in advance. To finish out this one, our kids have this like cute little uh, tradition, which maybe a lot of farm kids do. But we also leave food out for the reindeer. Can't forget about the reindeer. We watched one of this, I don't know, some Christmas movie last night that told us that they like carrots and red bell peppers. We've always done carrots, but we've never done red bell peppers. So we're going to add that to our mix. So we're leaving Santa real milk. We're leaving out cookies. Pick your favorite. We obviously disagree on what that is compared to the internet and then leaving the reindeer some food. It's interesting you say that because when I was researching this, two things I want to say before we move on. One, that different countries have developed their own versions of cookies and milk. So like British and Australia children leave out sherry and mince pies, apparently. Swedish leave out uh, rice porridge. Um, in Ireland, you can get Guinness along with the cookies. And so I do think it's kind of fun to see. Again, we have worldwide listeners. 
like tag us and what you guys do would be so fun to see that. And then the second thing is there were legends going back to stuffing. I think it was maybe a Norse tradition again, which I'm like, I don't know how, where this, I've never heard the word Norse before. And I read more about Norse traditions last night than I ever have in my entire life. But um, they were talking about how they stuff hay in shoes or stockings or something for the reindeers. And they were talking that maybe that was actually one of the origins for milk and cookies is that in addition to the reindeer and the hay, we evolved to add the milk and cookies for Santa too. So I think there's something there that we maybe were feeding reindeer long before we were feeding Santa. Telling you those farm kids, they're worried about their animals. They're like, listen, (laughs) they need some help making it all the way around the country, all the way around the world. They're like, we've seen the belly on Santa. He's fine. I, but I've seen Rudolph's rain belly and he's looking trim. Like, let's get some, let's get some uh, meat in there. A little alfalfa, yeah. if you will. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We want to thank our next sponsor, Land Trust. Uh, before we get into Land Trust, I do want to say we're going to be having them on next month for an interview. So that is going to be one you do not want to miss. It's so fascinating because Land Trust is an easy to use online marketplace that generates income for landowners and provides recreational opportunities for outdoor enthusiasts by connecting them to each other. So there are hundreds of landowners, many of whom are fourth, fifth, or even sixth generation that currently have listed over 1.3 million plus acres on Land Trust, offering bookings for do-it-yourself outdoor experiences from hunting and fishing to bird watching and foraging, farm and ranch tours, and more, while retaining full control over their own property as the landowners. Land Trust currently lists properties in 40 plus states in the United States. So if you are a sportsman, outdoor enthusiast, go to LandTrust.com to reserve exclusive access to private land for your next outdoor adventure. And if you are a landowner, go to LandTrust.com to learn how you can earn additional income from your land while remaining in complete control. And I know Natalie has used LandTrust. I'll let her jump in and share a little bit of her perspective. Yeah, and I will definitely go into, you know, extensive detail about our experience with Land Trust in our interview. So if you guys, um, if your curiosity is piqued by Land Trust, I would definitely tune into the interview. But we've had, you know, nothing but positive experiences. I think it's a really great way to bring added income um, based off assets you have for, you know, your ranch and farm without doing a lot of the heavy lifting um, and also remaining legally safe, which I think is a concern for a lot of people when you're letting people access your land hunting, you know, there's safety issues with that. And so we've just been super impressed by Land Trust and tune into the interview for more because I will go into all of the details about, you know, our experience. All right, diving into the last and final article to discover this week, headline, Milking It. Bill aims to bring dairy staple back to U.S. schools. A bipartisan bill called the Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act is gaining support right now. It just passed in the House, and I believe it's moving into the Senate. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And if passed, this bill will allow schools to serve whole milk and 2% milk during lunch for the first time since 2012. Yeah, I'm giving full warning. I'm going to I have a lot to say about this. I I will try. I try to condense my notes as much as possible. But this is something that's been going on. This conversation has been going on for a while. So there is a lot to it. I do think where I want to start is I thought it was kind of interesting that it was a bipartisan bill, that there's support from both sides on passing this. But there is also obviously a lot of people not so excited about this bill. Yeah, it's interesting you point that out because one thing that stood out to me in this article that we read 
is I thought the way they portrayed the supporters of the bill and the opposers of the bill was very interesting in my mind. Like the sound bites they chose, the words they chose to kind of describe them. I just feel like they had an agenda of how they wanted to portray the supporters and the opposers of this. Yeah, no, that surprises no one, right? Like it was written a very particular way. I do think one thing I want to clear up is it would not remove the like fat free or 1% option. This would just give more choices. You would have the choice between whole 2%, 1%, non-fat and lactose free as well as organic and conventional options. So it would just be creating more options. And I mean, the entire reason that we got rid of whole milk and 2% was because of the concern around saturated fat and childhood obesity. But a lot of the critics of this were either people who don't think we should be consuming dairy at all, right? Like kind of on the activist side of things like dairy is wrong. But then some of the other sound bites were about how no one in their district is asking for this, right? Like Congress men were saying like, no one's asking me for whole milk. They're asking me for gun legislation. But I think that like at the same time, childhood obesity is a major issue in this country. So it is a topic I feel like worth covering and talking about. Well, sure. It's just how they spun it, right? They didn't say no one is asking me about childhood obesity or the health of our children. They said no one's asking for milk and they didn't choose another. I mean, we could probably pull out a gazillion different bills or that are being passed that aren't maybe the most, in some people's eyes, utmost highest priority. They chose to compare it to gun violence so that you'd have that stark contrast between the two concepts. Yeah. So I kind of want to go down this rabbit hole of what like maybe childhood obesity looks like and milk consumption, if you will humor me for a minute. I'm along for the ride. So we all know that childhood obesity is like a major issue. So right now, 20% of our youth are considered obese. Over the last three decades, obesity rates have tripled in the United States. And since the 1970s to the early 2000s, there was an increase of 178% of obesity. Over that same period, fluid milk consumption by kids has decreased by 50%. I am not saying that like we shouldn't, you know, be conscientious of our calorie intake, but I am also like, I think of obviously, I'm obviously biased on this topic, but I'm just like, I'm not sure that like limiting whole fat milk consumption is going to reduce obesity in the way we think it is. Well, on that note, there's a soundbite I liked from a Democratic representative um, out of Washington, and she said that more milk options would encourage children to avoid more sugary drink options at lunchtime. And quote, I would rather have children drinking milk, even whole milk, rather than juice. And you and I have talked about that before when we talked about, gosh, I don't remember quite the article or what we were talking about, but I remember us having that discussion about how this is the point of having more options up there for kids to grab and levitate towards. I think it was maybe like the chocolate milk conversation is because when they are choosing to put the milk, whether it is the whole milk or the skim milk or the chocolate milk on their plate, they're not opting for the soda pop or the juice, which are the other options, unfortunately, like in lunch school systems. Yeah. From 80s to 2010s, 
calories from sugary beverages increased by 60%. So I also think something that's important to think about is when uh, milk is like whole fat or has higher fat content, a lot of times kids don't want added sugar. Like that fat content, like this gets into the science of it, but it gives you like a better overall like mouthfeel for kids that they want to drink it. Whereas when you remove that fat, a lot of times I feel like that's where we end up adding the sugar in is to like compensate for that fat being gone and to give it like more flavor and like a more like rich texture. When if we keep the fat in, it's there. And I actually was on a dietitian's page and she made a really good point that she was like, we need to consider the whole food when we consider saturated fats. We can't like disregard all of the nutrients that are available in milk just because it has saturated fats. Like there's so much more to milk than just the saturated fat. Well, yeah, it goes back to the conversation and the idea of satiation. This is going to be a hard word for me to get out, you guys. Satiation. Way to go. You did it. Cue the applause. When we are full from, you know, those healthy like animal proteins, like the the macros that we're putting in our diet, we're less, like you said, more opt to, I mean, how long can you eat a bag of chips over and over and over again? Because you're not, you don't get that satiated feeling. Like you said, there's chemistry in our body that helps us feel full. Yeah. So some new reports came out on Monday, actually, and they were hoping to get this passed through the Senate really quickly. Unfortunately, Senator Debbie Stabenow, who is a Democrat from Michigan, she is actually the chairwoman of the Senate Agriculture Committee. She rejected the request to have the bill passed by unanimous consent. Um, She said that while dairy is a very important part of a balanced meal, um, there's one thing that's clear that school milk standards should currently be based on dietary science and should continue to be based on that science, not based on individual food products that we support. And so while I can see what she's coming from, I feel like we have talked about this before on the podcast that a lot of times our like dietary guidelines are really far behind science and what's coming out. Like think about not that long ago, we had the food pyramid that said we should be getting the majority of our calories from bread. Like I just, I have a hard time waiting for like legislation sometimes or dietary guidelines to catch up to modern science. Do you know why they wanted to push this through so quickly? No, I don't know. Do you know? Oh, okay. No, I was just, you just mentioned that. No, the way you said that made me think that you were like, oh, you had like a hot take. Like I thought Natalie was coming in with some like real like policy legislation here. Listen, if I ever have a milk hot take that you haven't heard yet, pigs are flying like something is going on if milk news has got to me before it got to you you're like something went wrong in the like delving out information in the yeah. milk supply line there's a glitch in the system so i feel like a few final thoughts i have about this i think it's good to have more options i also wouldn't be against having plant-based options that like meet you know the criteria like i just think in this world there is people that have a palette of like they want different things. They have different dietary needs. Like I was reading in a comment section where a person was like, my child needs like higher fat content because of certain things. And I felt that to my core with like Annalise, we're always trying to give her higher fat options because that's like what she needs prescribed by a dietitian. And so I just feel like giving more options is better in this case than giving less. I absolutely agree. I mean, we already highlighted, but just to like double click on it, this is not getting rid of any of the low current low fat options. We're just adding more. And I think, I mean, we serve whole milk in our family after you guilted me into <laughs> to going to, from 2% to whole milk. I just think that that 
that choice should be provided for families that do that. I don't see why it shouldn't be. I also think there's one last thing that's worth noting is that whole milk does not mean it's 100% fat. It is actually 3.25% fat. So you have skim milk, which is 0% fat. You have 1%, 2%, and then whole milk is 3.25%. I think that like really gets lost in translation. I think there's like this assumption that like there's a lot more fat and whole milk compared to like 2% or 1% when really it's like 1.25% increase. And the final thing I'll say that I loved this soundbite, considering what our last, what we ended on on the last topic is the nutrients and whole milk provide the fuel Santa needs to travel the whole globe in one night. Whole milk is the unsung hero of the Christmas journey. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that for this article, but it was too good. Yes, that is the perfect soundbite to end us out on. So thank you guys so much for discovering with us this week. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and we will see you guys after the holidays. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.